0: Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal.
1: Hola, listeners. Welcome to Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different.
0: I'm Heather, and Whitney's also here today, and we're recording from a virtual table. We rolled for an incredible adventure out of 20 possibilities, and we also rolled for our drinks. We're discussing Canto, If Only I Had a Heart, Volume 1, which is the Collected Issues uh, 1 through 6, by writer David M. Boer and artist Drew Zucker.
1: I am drinking a tequila sunrise and Heather has a delicious strawberry milkshake. So stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. Well, uh, I'd like to start off by saying Canto is amazing. It is so good. I loved it so much. Uh, it's, it's a super freshy take on a timeless theme of how a single spark of goodness can light a fire against the forces of evil. <laughs> um, from the start, we get that feel of an old fairy tale, like with the art and the way they're describing the story. Uh, and how that fable weaves throughout the story that we're watching unfold in the book, uh, or in the issues, if you are a single-issue kind of fella or lady.
0: It really reminded me of a lot of past fairy tales that I enjoyed as a child, and the author made a point to address that at the end of the graphic novel. For issue people, you might not have that page. Uh, But he said that he took a lot of inspiration from The Wizard of Oz and Labyrinth, um, I think that timeless stories like this really speak to our hearts when we're reading them. Wouldn't you agree, Whitney?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it hearkens something from childhood and even going back into past lives and our ancestors before, there's that little, that survival instinct that, that uh, you're looking, searching for something always.
0: So in Kanto we have a little tin man, and he has a little tin heart, and the premise of the story is a friend that he has, a female tin friend, her heart is damaged, and he's going on this great adventure to try to save her heart.
1: So you're and kind of, you're giving the, the comic book version, like the, the little blurb to get you interested.
0: Yeah, yeah. If our listeners haven't read it, I want to make sure they they understand like why this. So it's a, it's a long adventure hero story. But when we look at all of the little elements in this book, it really does speak to those fairy tale elements. There's there's a prince and a princess in this, this able that's woven through it. And we really see that Canto likens himself to this like great knight prince who's going on a daring adventure save his his darling and i think at some point all of us secretly wanted to be knights or princes or princesses as children
1: well i mean stories are universal every every culture has a series of stories that's passed down from the generations or like in this book it the stories diminish to the point to where they only have this one story left and they hold it in very hushed and it's very whispered reverence.
0: That's a great point that, that all cultures have these stories. And I was studying literature in college. We talked about a lot about uh, Joseph Campbell's hero theories. And how all heroes in, in all cultures across time and in the world are essentially the same hero. The stories are different. Their adventures are different. The things that they face are different. But they still go on the same journey path. They have a call to action. They have some great mystical being that helps them along the way. They have to face something either externally or inside themselves that they have to overcome. For Canto, he has to face a little bit of both, his own trepidation as well as this, this great evil being that has kept his people in servitude and stolen their heart. I'm trying to find the name of of that evil well, Lord. He's like Shadow Lord or something. Well, what I what you you
1: don't even find that out for several issues in. Like it's it's a little while before we find out. Like we know that they're scared. We know that mm-hmm. they are enslaved and working for some entity or some group other than themselves, but it's pretty clear just from the from the top that it's a it's a group like a it's a group of of beings that are kind of keeping them enslaved and they're they're these little 10 creatures that are working themselves to death and they they get their hearts taken from them when they're born and born in in air quotations because i'm not sure exactly how they come to life but their heart's taken away from them and they're given a clock so they're given a they the unknown and the mystery of life is taken away from them and they're given a finite deadline
0: yes when their clock runs out their life is over right and and that that
1: to me is even like it's almost scarier than one supreme dark leader Mm
0: -hmm. the
1: fact that there's you don't you don't know it you don't know why they're being kept in this it kept in the dark you know we, we we don't know what's going on we just know that they're slavers and that sometimes they damage people's clocks intentionally just just to do it
0: yeah well and as you mentioned earlier most of Canto's people's stories, their histories, have disappeared. They've been forgotten or lost. And so they really don't know why they're enslaved, why they're here, why this other group of beings has enslaved them, why they're so terrible. They just know their current existence of slavery. Right. And so for Kanto to have... story this adventure and for him to to have the bravery to go out and find something different is is so heartening not just for him but for his whole people because it's so different than from anything that they've known up to that point
1: well and in the first issue um, and I apologize if I'm jumping around a little bit but in the first issue no one was going to help him He, he like this, this creature, I don't know what to call them, this ten, this ten person, this ten being, has kind of taken a, a shine to him. They, you can see in the, in the crowd of all of the enslaved ten people, you can see them kind of brush their hands up against one another in a, in a secret connection you know that they that they're together even even if it even if it feels like they're apart you know they're with one another Mm -hmm. and so it was when she gets hurt he has to kind of prove himself like prove what he's willing to do to this elder there's there's one elder it seems like there might only be one elder that's still kind of alive that might he, he might have been around before the, the current generation, and so he knows that there's something more. He knows there's something out there, even if he doesn't know what it is. And when Kanto proves himself to this elder, he suddenly has a mission. So now he can do something about it.
0: I absolutely agree. And I think that moment, that realization that he had his own his own ability to go out and do, his own autonomy, uh, his own, there's a word for it and it's just left my brain.
1: Like a sense of ownership for his own destiny and what he gets to decide.
0: Right, right. Like when he realizes that, he realizes and he promises to this this poor, injured female fuck friend of his he's going to go out and and write his own story. And I think we really start to see his character take shape there. Even though as he sets out on that path, he's still a little scared. He doesn't know what he's going to find. Oh, he's a lot
1: scared. Oh yeah. He's a lot (laughs) scared. You can see it. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. The, the, I want to talk about the art for just one second because it kind of ties in here. The eyes are the windows to the soul and Mm -hmm the um zucker mr zucker nailed it with the eyes you can see you can see his determination in his eyes you can see the fear in his eyes you can see when he was proud of himself for getting this mission and having the ability and making that promise to her that he's he's going to come back he's he's going to do this for her and he's going to come back and you can just see that determination in his eyes
0: And with a little tin person you don't get eyebrows or smiles or any other sort of facial recognition that we're used to seeing as people begin to guess these emotions like for the artist to pull all of this off it's just the character's eyes it's insane it's it's volumes and volumes about his talent i also really like the color palettes that they used for this when when Kanto is facing darkness, the pages are so dark. When Kanto is realizing something about his own ability, his own strengths, we really see the light begin to pour into those pages as he begins to understand what he is capable of, even as an individual.
1: Yeah, the, the pages are almost like warm, like firelight or candlelight. Hmm. and that i agree entirely and something else uh, to that same vein when he's talking to um his female friend that he's he's trying to save her time you can see and and it it starts with her story but you can see like hers is all in blue and she's wearing this blue sash around her shoulders and Mm he has um a red one and his, his story is in red, his dialogue is in red. And when you go to where he's talking to other creatures, the, the, it changes color. So his is highlighted in whatever it is, either black or red. And then the mm. creature's is highlighted in whatever color they are or whatever is a dominant color in them. So there's a, there's a conversation where he has it in gray. There's a conversation where it's in purple. There's a conversation where in hers it's blue and red. And so I, I find that really interesting. Something that we don't get in novels and in the regular written word, we do get in comics and graphic novels is- I um, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the additional way of storytelling, mm-hmm. an extra level of it.
0: Well, and at first I struggled with this book because all of the little people are little tin people and they all look very similar, except for these colored sashes that they're wearing. And so even still the artist was able Make those small little details. Like, even though the little tin girl looks so identical to Kanto, a little tin boy, her breastplate is just slightly different than his breastplate. The elder just looks a little bit more grizzled. His his armor is just a little bit more rusted. He
1: is Sam Elliott as a tin man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. uh, (laughs) You're you're not not wrong. Now that you say that, it's all I can see. I know, and when I read his,
1: when I was reading his text, I was like, yep, he's Sam Elliott.
0: <laughs> but for the artist to create these, these slight differentiations, for either the artist or the colorist to color the dialogue the way that they did, it's it's just such a small detail by itself you wouldn't think makes a difference throughout the book as a whole it just creates that extra layer of beauty this book that we often don't find in other formats agreed i also thought it was interesting how many people are allies to Kanto on this journey especially in the beginning when it really seemed like the only friend he had was the little ten girl. But the further he goes on this journey, the more friends he finds. He's, he starts by having like this scary beast that normally eats his people befriend him. And then along the way, a hermit helps him in his cause. And then a mysterious traveler also aids him as well as her familiar pet. I just found it so interesting that so many people were willing to ally themselves to this little, this little tiny tin man who seemingly had all the odds stacked against him and were willing to help him on this journey. Is it a Malarex? Is that how you
1: pronounce it? Yes, that's how I was reading it, Malarex. So, to me, like it kind of tells you his nature right from the start when they are out in the woods and he's like you shouldn't be here so he's already trying to protect her and then Uh she and then when the the young malarex or what however you pronounce that they come around and they're growling and angry and ready to eat these this these metal peoples these metal humanoids and his friend comes and saves him and he's like listen just sit here and be patient I'm not judging him I've heard that if you don't give him a, a you know if you don't make them think your food then you won't be food and it turns out that that's true so like he he didn't judge a book by its cover he took a chance and it paid off dividends for him in the future mm-hmm. and it, it's these small kindnesses that he does throughout the whole story and that's how he gets all these friends they're little. They're little things that he does. Little actions. Little words that he chooses. But they keep coming back and 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 paying off for him. That he he took a chance on them, and so they're like they they all choose to kind of stand by him. And it gives me chills, kind of just thinking about it and just looking at it from that component. Because ha- what journey have you been on? Where? you thought you were alone and you were struggling and then you got help out of nowhere?
0: Definitely several. Like through through early divorce and through motherhood, like like motherhood can be pretty isolating at times. Like you're used to being able to go out with your friends and do things and suddenly you're you're like at home tied to a kid. But I had so many people, you yourself included, that that willingly stepped up and, and said, no, we're in this together. How can I help? And I think sometimes that's unexpected. Like even though you know you have good friends, like, when you're in that place of, of darkness or isolation, it's hard to remember that. Yeah. And so for this little in-person constantly, like he always was doing the kind thing. He was always doing the right thing. But then for other people to remind him they do the right thing, too, when all he had known was kind of the pain of his own slavery and his people's own slavery, I think, I think that surprised him each time that it happened. But other people do the right thing, too. Well, and when you,
1: when you are in such darkness and you're hurting, your, your pain drowns out things like you you don't Mm -hmm. always see it and even though he was he he would be in such tremendous pain but he would still do the right thing as you were saying and so it's just it's so it's it's so isolating and so it's 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 very amazing that this writer that boor was able to kind of tap into that fear that we all have that darkness that abyss that we all can find ourselves in if we aren't careful or if we aren't you know aware of all the light that's around us and
0: you often in your own personal life speak out a lot about mental health and and living with with mental illnesses i think for you that that can often sometimes be a similar experience right
1: yeah absolutely it's just
0: You know, we we all kind of
1: struggle and people that do have mental illnesses kind of have that extra layer of water we've got to swim through. And um, on issue, I believe it's issue three, we see Kanto swimming underwater and kind of getting pulled under by this tentacled monster um, because he's he's searching for the heart. He's searching for the creature, for the being that takes their hearts.
0: And he's been told that if he goes to this this lake there's a hermit that lives there might have answers for him.
1: Yeah, and he he comes to the to the water's edge and um he's like I I don't even know where to go. There it's such a huge space. I don't I don't know where to go to for help. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know. It's so it's such an isolated lake. It's it's in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. He doesn't know what to do. He's on an
0: overwhelming journey with very little direction or guidance, fighting for a really big cause. Like, I can see where, looking at this lake, having never seen a lake in his entire little 10 life, um, this could be so vastly overwhelming for him.
1: Oh, huge. And he's riding riding his friend. Um, His friend has given him a, a piggyback ride, essentially. And trying to keep him safe and out of the snow and rust and all that jazz. And they're smacked out of nowhere by this giant tentacle. And this eye, like, so eyes are a big theme in this graphic novel. You'll see all kinds of eyes all throughout the art. But this giant eye rises up and they're, it's, they're so tiny. Even his giant friend is so tiny compared to this eye. And you could see where, like, the purple dialogue is the monster and Kanto's dialogue is in the black and he even even when this confronted with this giant scary monster he's still you know do your worst to me i'm here on a mission and i'm trying to help but i i'm going to attack you i'm not i'm going to stand up to you not even attack he he's trying to have a conversation with it and mm-hmm. just to try to find a peaceful way to continue his story
0: I think it's very important that, like, when Kanto is talking to this eye, he does say, "If I have, like, if I have to go through you, I will." But I'm just on this quest. Please let me stay on this quest. Like, he's still very passive in his action. Yeah, it, it's not like he's the aggressor here. He's he's seeing what he perceives to be an aggressor, and he says me out and let me proceed, but if you can't do that, I'm willing to go to that next level. Well, and the monster kind of makes that decision
1: for him and is like, well, you're gonna go to the next level or down a level. <laughs> <laughs> where he where he meets this being who takes all of their hearts and he's in for a shock because it's another it's another book another chapter that looks just as scary as the one he left because this being is in the shape of and appears to be a being that has enslaved him for years and his his peers for years and he's like look i might look like i'm a slaver to you but I'm here to do more. I'm here to be better and I can change. And you're changing, you're changing for the better. I also change for the better.
0: Mm -hmm. And so, go ahead. So when we we look at Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, there's a step in the hero cycle where the hero often descends into an underworld place. And for me, as I was reading this, and joke, he goes down a level, but he really, he's like descending down into this lake. Uh, Kanto calls it like the belly of the beast. And to me, that was almost like that dissension moment. And when the hero is in this underworld type place, he always has to make a decision, either change and grow and see things differently than he previously saw them, to proceed and if he proceeds without changing he fails the quest and so for him to get to this layer and find someone who looks like a slaver who looks like the oppressor of his people to have to confront not all people that look that way are the same acknowledge that other people can grow and change that's a huge step for Kanto to take in order to be successful on his mission.
1: It is and I mean he he almost doesn't like he struggles with that decision because it's so much for he didn't realize just how big of a problem he was taking on how how big of a challenge he was tackling. and. He's given all this information, and some of it was helpful, and some of it wasn't helpful. And essentially, the being is saying, look, you you are the one that might make the discovery that could lead to more. You have an opportunity. You can, you can take this time and rest and go on your journey and maybe go to it ill-prepared, or you can train and the the every single issue comes down to a matter of choice he's making these choices and it's it's each one is is very much a fork in the road and where where is this journey leading to leading kanto and he makes it like you can see him kind of struggle he's like i don't should i i was just gonna sleep but maybe mm-hmm. I should train. And then you see him, like, with fierce determination, stand up and look. And he's like, I'm choosing to train. I'm going to do this. I'm going to tackle my fears, tackle whatever I need to, because it's, it's, worth, it's worth it to me to try. And that was a big step in his journey.
0: Well, and, and while he's in this place with this former slaver... He learns a lot about his people's history and the history of his oppressors that had been lost at the time or had been mistold to his people. And I think learning that teaches Canto empathy that he had previously lacked for the people not not just his own people, but for the oppressors as well. And I think Learning that true history, learning that about himself and his people and the people that he had previously seen, maybe even as enemies, was a big change for him. And we even learned that the oppressors at one point had been oppressed themselves. Well, they they are
1: currently oppressed, right? Yes. So... The town of Arcana, which is where these beings, these little metal tin men live, um, is called Arcana. And they are enslaved by these horned, cattle-like, sentient beings. And we, we learn through the, this magi, this magic user...
0: Hermit is, yeah, I think, her-
1: the only name Yeah, the hermit. That he, that they are also enslaved and that they, they were told that they had to do the work themselves or make, make something that could do the work. And so they, I, it's unclear to me, did they create Kanto's species? Like,
0: is Kanto's... My understanding was that Kanto's people were also brought there and enslaved that they didn't necessarily create him <laughs> he said thousands of little tin hands could harvest more than we ever could and so he the the overlord released us from the shackles after your people had been conquered gotcha
1: i mean and that that just that just gives me chills and just it it's it's a heart wrenching part of the story for him to learn. You know, it's, it's, and he's, he's wanting to train to get on, to get back to Arcana to make a difference, to find this heart, get back to Arcana and save her, her life, like get her heart back so that her damaged clock that was damaged accidentally. W- maliciously without I don't know if it's intentional or not I don't know what degree of damage you know how we have degrees of murder first degree second degree third degree such like I don't know if they intended to hurt her and to damage her clock beyond repair or or what but the, their action still caused that to happen and so Kanto's trying to get her heart to save her life and he has to train to, he's, he's, he's tried to sacrifice himself and can't do it. So now he's trying to go out there and, and get it and bring back. So he's sacrificing himself either way is, is, mm-hmm. is his intention. And the at the very end, right before the hermit leaves him and sends him on his way after training, he he is impressed and kind of scared for Kanto because he's like, you have a name. You're not supposed to have a name. Having a name is forbidden. Having feelings of love and compassion for one another is forbidden. We don't want that from you, or they didn't want that from, from you. And so the hermit is very impressed and, and calls him brave. And that's a big thing. Like if somebody, when you're in your darkest hour and somebody tells you, reminds you how courageous and brave you are, that makes a huge difference
0: well and what i noticed as the hermit because like the hermit doesn't have a name he's just the hermit and we never really get names for the slavers they are just the slavers and as the hermit is telling this, this history that canto did not know we learn that the slavers used to have Village. They used to have love, they had families, they had children, and all that's gone for them now, too? And it almost made me wonder if the slavers themselves are forbidden to have a name, forbidden to love, if that's part of the overall oppression that's affecting all of these different enslaved peoples.
1: That's a very good point, actually.
0: And that might be why the Hermit was so impressed, Canto, as small as he is, as insignificant as he possibly might be, had a name and had love. A creature that doesn't even actually have a heart.
1: Yeah. So, you know, kind of of quickly to kind of wrap this up a little bit, I know this is we are doing this virtually because, you know, we had a little bit of an illness scare in real life. So we chose to um, record this one uh, on Zoom or on Discord, actually. And we we're going to go a little bit long on this one. So I apologize. There's, you know, a little bit of a little bit of technical difficulties kind of learning this. And, and we're both really passionate about this book, but. Um, because we we both really enjoyed this book on its own and then the current day mm. our current world that we are living in, our current America that we are living in right now and it we just we have a lot to say.
0: <laughs> there were there were some themes that I think Whitney and I both felt in this book etched on and spoke to the things that we see happening on our social media platforms on our our news feeds on our television sets we just couldn't ignore not when it was so timely and so evident
1: so we've kind of we've gone we've gone through the first four issues of of this and i'd kind of like to leave the rest of it for you all as readers to to have a have a read Um, give us some comments about what what you think how you believe the themes are what touched you in the story the most what do you like what tell us about your the art the eyes you know give us some input but now we're also going to kind of continue on for a few minutes just on as Heather was saying how how it made us feel and the thoughts that it it brought up in us, the feelings it brought up in us, and how we can be allies the way that Canto's friends and people he came along the way were allies as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think what the, the writer and the artist do with this so well, like in fairy tales, in these... These sagas that we often love, there's there's usually an oppressor and the oppressed. When we look at stories like Harry Potter or Star Wars or Canto, it's really easy for us to understand the plight of the oppressed and to root for them against their oppressor. That when we look at our current events happening today, I think a lot of people miss the message. And so if you're listening to this podcast far after you've recorded it, the events that we're really talking about are the recent police brutality instances that affected and took the lives of George Floyd and um, Minnesota and several other people over the last couple of weeks.
1: Well, so and- we've got. I, I want to. I want to. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to just read off just the names of the ones that I know of about just recently. So, Breonna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky; George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota; and Ahmad Aubrey in Atlanta, Georgia, or outside. It wasn't Atlanta, Georgia, but it was in Georgia yeah. or South Carolina. Um, Is it the
0: whole thing? Atlanta? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know
1: geography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, so th- those those three are kind of the ones that we're sitting in a time where we're all inside. We are all on um, social media. We're watching the news 24-7. We are in a, a a pandemic. We are all kind of a little bit on edge. We've had we've felt very lied to by multiple official entities and it's getting thrust into these these brutality events we've known that they're there this is this has been going on for hundreds of years the these aren't uh, new and and smartphones aren't new but we are in a time where it's a perfect storm if if you will allow me to use that word, of what are we going to do? Like, it's, it's been forced into our attention. It's, it's right there, and it can't be ignored anymore.
0: And I think if we look at, because I, I don't want to speak for black people, Brittany and I, we're not black. We can never fully understand, grasp the experience that black people have and so as allies, it's important that we look at what we are told by those people having those experiences. We believe those experiences when we are told about them, we hold space for people and When we hear people saying something that is racist or oppressive, speak up loudly and boldly against that. And to keep this related to Canto, Canto sees something he knows is wrong. He sees what he perceives to be his oppressor hurting his friend, leading to the the possibility of her death and the likelihood the likelihood of her death yes he knows that it's wrong and he sets out to change it and along the way allies step up and they help him and he ends up learning that that his oppressors are also oppressed which in the Black Lives Matter movement white people we are not oppressed Uh, you can pretend all day you can pretend all day that that you are you're not I'm sorry I'm not really, sorry. You're just not. Not generationally. And, and, and not systemically and not institutionally. And people that, that sit there and say, oh, reverse racism, you're just wrong. And so that aspect of the Canto story does not fit current events, that the oppressors are also oppressed. But what does... It is, is that Kanto has allies. He's seeking to make a change in his world for the betterment of his people and for all of the people that are oppressed in his world. And as we've been watching this news unfold and these protests unfold on our social medias, we just, we see so much fight in the people trying to do the right thing and we see so much misunderstanding from the people who refuse to understand the narrative as black people experience it on a daily basis. I don't have an answer for how to fix it. And I don't think that, that Whitney does either.
1: I wish but, I did. <laughs> yeah,
0: And we don't experience oppression and, and systemic violence. We, we, don't, we don't get passed over for a, a job promotion because of the color of our skin. We don't have to justify our existence. We don't have to fear when we're pulled over by police just because of the color of our skin. But we know and love friends who do
1: and even if we didn't know anyone in our day-to-day lives it's we know it's wrong we know it's wrong and 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 that's kind of pulling back to the story canto doesn't they don't know a lot they they actually know very little but it's clear to him when things are right and when things are wrong and he does the right thing even when it's very hard to do and we can do the right thing even when it's hard to do. We we've got to get out there and vote. We've got to get out there and like I I've, I've been donating to bail funds. Um I I can't go to the protests. Uh I I am immunocompromised and I have I have to go into work regularly still and I don't have that same freedom, but I can I can work from the back end. I can donate to the bail funds. I can support black owned businesses. I can try to hold space and be a listener and be somebody who can get resources. I can Google faster than anybody and send links. And we've got podcasts you can listen to. We've got books you can listen to. There are lots of amazing, wonderful, magical people out there in the world that have Google Docs filled with information. Um whatever whatever we need to do, we are here to try to help. That that's that is what Heather and I, you know, we are we are trying to stand on the side of of what we are seeing as the good people and trying to help the, the people that have been oppressed in the small ways that we know how.
0: So, With that said, our, our business plug for the week is going to focus on those voices that matter more than ours in this discussion. We're gonna tell you about a couple of podcasts that are black owned, black run, we'll talk about these issues. We're gonna tell you about a couple of books that you can pick up. We're going to tell you about a few black businesses that you can support in the, the local area and a little bit further out.
1: Uh, you'll also be able to find links in our show notes, so please check those out. And um, Heather, the one that I kind of wanted to start
0: with uh, was Frugal Bookstore. Yeah. Oh, so if you're on social media, you've probably seen a lot of book covers or the types of books you could read that would help you better understand how to be a good ally, how to be boldly anti-racist when you're confronted with racist situations or even just off-color jokes from your friends. And I think in our in our 21st century society our instant go-to is like Amazon. And and we it's easy to just go there and buy books, but Amazon also is, is a pretty, like, morally questionable institution. Uh, and, and they have some not great human rights activity. They don't pay their workers great. They well, work and he's a,
1: it's a white male billionaire. So maybe yeah. we could not fund the white male billionaire?
0: Well, if you want an alternative to white male billionaire-run Amazon, uh, I recently came across the bookstore uh, Frugal Books, and it is located in Roxbury, Massachusetts. It's kind of near Boston. And the website is frugalbookstore.net. They're a black owned bookstore. They're not a chain. They are in a black neighborhood. They donate a lot of books to kids in their area. They really are trying to make sure that the people in their neighborhoods are well-educated and well-read and, and they're doing the right thing, supporting the people that, that they're close to. So frugalbooks. frugalbookstore.net, you can buy any book that you could possibly buy on Amazon from them. And it's putting money not in a white, oppressive billionaire's pockets.
1: Um, something else that we want to talk about, there, you know, as, as, po- as a podcast, we would like to shout out another podcast. There are several podcasts, and we will also include an um, anti-racism resource uh, Google Doc, so you can see many other podcasts listed there. But one that uh, we have personally listened to is Code Switch.
0: It's put out by the National Public Radio. So it it's your public tax dollars at work. And they talk a lot about being not just black in America, they they deal with a lot of different issues related to, to a variety of minority groups. Uh, but this week, they, their show has really been focusing on, on the history of protests within the civil rights movement and what it means to be black in America they also talk a lot, the term code switching, for those that may not know, talks about like the changing of how you talk based on the different social groups that you're in. Like, Annie and I talk to each other in a way different way than I would like go home and talk to my grandma. And so that's a form of code switching. Uh, but the Code Switch podcast deals with a whole lot of different things. We really love them. They're well researched in the work that they do. And you're already paying for it, so you might as well use their service.
1: Absolutely, and that's a very valid point. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: And because we are out of Scruffy City in Knoxville, Tennessee, we also kind of wanted to point out a a couple of places that are some of our favorites. The city of Knoxville has a great resource page for... minority-owned businesses and women-owned businesses they've got a great database uh and a couple of the places that that we really enjoy we are we're eaters we love our food we really enjoy some amazing southern food as southern girls and one of my favorites is jackie's dream uh it's in the woodland avenue area it is so amazing like it's just Phenomenal. The portions are huge. She's amazing. Definitely check out Jackie's Dream.
0: And um, One of the ones that I really love is Gosh Ethiopian Restaurant. It's in the Sutherland Avenue uh, area of Knoxville. It's, it's kind of near West High School. For those of you that, that know the high school areas, I'm a teacher. That's like my point of reference for anything in Knoxville is what school it's close to. Um, Gosh Ethiopian Restaurant they, they mostly serve family-style food because in Ethiopia, it's all family-style. Owners are really, really fantastic. You will never meet a sweeter group of people in your life. And their food is so amazing. So if you like to eat a lot, you have to share their platter with your family. You could just go and eat it all by yourself. And if I mispronounced the name of your restaurant, Gosh, I'm so sorry. It could also be Gosh. I think it might be Gosh. I think but it's Gosh. <laughs> well, I and always it's, call it Gosh because when I'm eating there, I'm like, Gosh, this is good. That's so and funny. I'm wrong every time. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's
1: it's also nice just to the what what makes this the whole thing kind of a struggle for people who. it's it's hard to step out of your comfort zone sometimes you know and that's 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 some that's a it's that's a an easy way to do it in your food realms is to try try these places try new places try to walk in somebody else's shoes eat off somebody else's plate you know like try to get these new life experiences and and learn and grow as a human and not as whatever color you are, or whatever country you came from, like do it as a human. We are we are citizens of the human race. You know,
0: you do you do a, a big multicultural unit uh, in the grade level that I teach. Like I've talked about in the past, I'm an English teacher. We read a lot of different books from a lot of different countries. And one of the tasks my students have is to either go to a religious service, that culture, whatever religion that culture predominantly practices or to go to a restaurant, that, that country region. Because I firmly believe you can tell so much about a people based on the way that they, they pray or the way that they eat. And so when you go to, to Ghosh Ethiopian restaurant, because they serve their food family style in these large platters, there's an emphasis on sharing. Like, to me, that really tells you how important family is in their culture and how important generosity is to them. And so I highly encourage people, like, if if there's a culture you don't know very much about, go eat their food because you will learn so much about them.
1: Many cultures outside of the U.S., pride themselves on serving their guest whomever their guest is you know whoever comes into their home whether it's family friend stranger it doesn't matter that it's a it is a point of pride and it is a point of of their love and compassion for each other that they they want to feed you they want to take care of you they want to make you feel welcome and and that that's that is a dominant feature in our black America as well. They are kind and open. And as Canto, to, to go back to the story of, of Canto, you know, this is, it's, it's one, he does one small thing. He He is one small spark. He is one entity in a multitude of hundreds or thousands. And that one action that one thing that you can do that you think is so small and insignificant can change the course of someone's life of someone's livelihood of someone's being and so you know you just say it's just i'm just going out to eat once or instead of buying i'm just going to buy one book on amazon and that that's just not the way it is anymore those each each thing that you do each action each word that you take each purchase that you make can can make a difference and mm-hmm. you know we want to challenge you to make a difference now you know like who cares what you did in the past people can change people can grow you can be better you can be more and here's your opportunity i
0: think there's one other restaurant that we want to call out uh, it's Captain Jack's on Magnolia Avenue. Whitney, I know this is a favorite of yours. Do you want to talk about how amazing Captain Jack's is? Uh,
1: there's not anything that you can have wrong on the menu. I don't like okra. Their are Okra is amazing. Uh, they make everything. It, it takes a little bit longer to get your food. It's a fast food restaurant. Um, It's fast-ish food, but it's amazing and a good price and totally. And the the, the owners are incredible people. And everyone that works there has been so kind and so nice every time I've gone in or through the drive-thru. So it's definitely a a great mom-pop institution here in Knoxville.
0: And if anything that we've said in the last 15 or so minutes has made you want to learn more, uh, just locally here in Knoxville, we have the Bet Cultural Center. Uh, They are a a black history cultural center and they are more than happy to welcome you into their facility and to talk to you about the the history of civil rights in this country. If you need a book to read, you can look at uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist or any of the others. Uh, Black Feminist Thought is one that comes to mind. Unicorn Riot is a
1: great resource. Um, We're going to include a Google Doc that was created by uh, someone in uh, the community. That is, we we've got resources. We can point you to resources. So do do your do your emotional homework. Do your do your work. It's time for you to. Quit asking questions of other people and research and do it and yeah, and, and learn. do
0: walk up to the the black coworker at work after listening to this or or the one black friend you have and ask them to educate you. It is not their emotional burden. Educate you.
1: And they've been they've been telling us for years, and it's time to listen and do do some work. You know, on your own.
0: So uh, thanks for listening. If you stuck with us this far uh we hope that you enjoyed canto we we well, had we, a, <laughs> <laughs> well, we had another fun one off today here at adventure seed podcast yeah
1: we did i'm gonna roll for our next story real quick i didn't mean to be on my soapbox so much but uh thanks for sticking with us on this this journey with us guys we we really appreciate it so it looks like i rolled for uh, just a generic uh, graphic novel, so I gotta get to pick, and I want to pick Lady Killer. Uh, so it looks like we'll be reading Lady Killer by writers Joel Jones and Jamie S. Rich. Art is also by Joel Jones, and I just love it when somebody does both, when they both write and illustrate. Global I think that's talent. cool. Yeah. I'm
0: super jelly. I cannot even draw stick figures. It's... Um, yeah. You want to roll for drinks too oh yeah let's
1: do that um i rolled for a looks like i'm going to have hard tea excellent i'm going to trust you to roll for me because my dice Ooh, are girl i'll do me. it uh you rolled an icy
0: oh yes does I'm anybody so else have
1: wiggles? Icys are the best you don't
0: have, if you don't have wiggles the best way I can explain an Icy would be like a 7-Eleven cola. Slushy? Big slur- slurpees, is that what Slushy or them? slurpee, yeah. We don't have 7-Eleven here, guys, so uh, y'all are lucky in that. Uh, be sure to follow our Quest Adventure Seed podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and wherever you get podcasts. If you're having trouble find well, you're not having trouble finding our podcast, you're listening to us. If you have friends who are having trouble finding our podcast, reach out to us on our social media and we'll be happy to send them a link. Yeah, because
1: we are having, you have to search all three words, Adventure Seed Podcast. And even then, sometimes it's not being found. Super weird. But we're there and we are so happy that you are reaching out and trying to find us. And please continue to listen to us, comment, rate, do all that fun stuff.
0: And may the dice always be in your favor. Roll well, guys. Bye. As a roofer, you need accurate roof measurements, and you need them fast. GAF Quick Measure gives
1: you single-family residence roof measurements in less than an hour. Learn more and order your first report today at gaf.com/quickmeasure.